Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. Thank you for joining us on this uh, fine, hot Friday afternoon. Scott, thanks for opening your basement. Hey man, you know, I'm I'm just glad that I have a basement to open. Well, appreciate that. You know, yeah. It's uh it's it is it is too hot to be anywhere else besides underground. Too hot. That's a that's a song. I mean, nope. probably. That was a song. Um so we uh listeners, we apologize. We did not have an episode last week because I was about to leave town for a brief vacation and we just didn't have enough time. Yeah, it was just it was one of those kind of a game time decision. We had planned we had planned to record and some stuff came up with both of our schedules and you needed to leave and it's just uh you know, this is this is a labor of love that we that we do that we do this and last week it just last week was a, we we needed to take a week off. That's true. This is uh, episode one hundred and seventy eight, which is a lot. <laughs> one hundred and seventy seven more than we deserve. That's right. <laughs> well, I, you know, we have. I think I I think I've deleted out the special ones and some of those other like the all of the episodes we did from let's um, from the the uh election night show yeah so like this really we've done probably 200 episodes yeah but this is 178 mostly weekly episodes times of you and i plus or minus uh guests and our our other co-host our our other co-host at large bailey sitting down to shoot the shit that's right yeah (laughs) we should make a list of everyone we've had on the show um because we, and it would be interesting to see, given all of the candidates we had in 2018. Yeah. Um, and here we are uh, coming up on the midterms yet again. You know, I got to say, I it's been such a great, it's been such a great time, such a great experience. I wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for anything. And I, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful every time we do this for the people who like, for all of you who listen to us every week or once a month or whatever you do, because as much as, as fun as it is, I think if we had like five downloads, I don't know if we would keep, we keep doing it, but it's funny. I was talking to, uh, we, we visited some family a few weeks ago, um, out of state and, uh, one of Ashley's cousins, uh, his, his girlfriend is, is trying to put together a show and they've, they've been doing it for a while. Um, haven't really built a lot of listenership yet. It's a, um, it's they're they're in a space where there's already a lot of content, uh, and they asked about how many downloads we sent. I haven't looked in a while, but I think it's probably close to thirty thousand at this point. Um, and they were like, "What?" I was like, "Yeah, I mean, it's it's been it's I think this has been a success, and uh, and it's only a success because people listen to it." So, those of you who listen, thank you. That's exactly right. I uh, I'm looking up our stats right now as, as I speak, but I recently started a new podcast. With my other job, right at the National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers, that show is called "How to Win Friends and Save the Republic," and I've only been doing Solid it. Solid title. Thank you. We we used ranked choice voting to decide that amongst the board. <laughs> um, so uh, today I published our seventh episode, which was a really great interview with uh, a man named John Pudner, who's one of the. He's a conservative powerhouse. I mean, he worked on G.W. Bush's campaign. He he worked on the campaign. He led the campaign for the guy that upset Eric Cantor. Nice. You follow, you know, that federal politics, national politics. Um, but he, man, so John started to see all the problems in our democracy, particularly those related to money and politics. And so he formed an organization called Take Back Our Republic that is really aimed at... Um, 
corruption, money in politics, foreign influence, dark money, gerrymandering, and uh, and instant runoff or ranked choice voting. Is the guy who led the Tea Party upset of Eric Cantor's seat? Yeah. He is, had a he had a he had an epiphany. Yeah, <laughs> after and that. So he has a he is not he does not do campaigns anymore. He's not political anymore. He's well, he's still political. Arts. Yeah, um, but he's trying to trying to build a better democracy. Anyway, it was a great episode. Um, I he's a really delightful guy. Um, it was fascinating hearing his story about being a paper boy in Richmond, Virginia, and the neighborhood he grew up in. And anyway, we've just started, and we only have uh, not not a ton of listeners. So listeners of let's pod this if you'd like to go subscribe to how to win friends and save the republic you get to hear me twice every week which is a privilege a privilege an <laughs> honor really and uh uh and you get to hear some really cool people josh silver one of the founders of represent us a big national group um fair vote uh rob ritchie we i interviewed him a few weeks ago anyway good stuff uh scott to your number so on the Captivate, which is our current hosting service, mm-hmm. we have passed twenty five thousand downloads so far. But I when they changed how mm, they things are counted, that, yeah. right? So um, tough to say. I mean, we've had twenty five hundred in the last three months. So well, like, outstanding. Yeah, um, and you know, it's, while we're talking about history for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Scott, we're using new microphones today, and, and honestly, as I record this, I have no idea how it's going to turn out, but uh, I, some of our listeners, our fellow podcast aficionados, may even host shows themselves. Mm. What if we took a brief moment to recant our various uh, setups we've, we've had? Used, we've used so much stuff. I, I think that is entirely appropriate to do. I am going to let you uh, take the lead on that, and I'm going to sit here and uh, sit my Negroni, because if you asked me to recite the litany of equipment we've used, I would not be able to. So if we go back to, I think 2017 is when we started, and we we started with one Blue Yeti microphone, <laughs> which I guarantee some of our listeners have, right? Yep, yep. Uh, and you and I still... In fact, Bailey's been using mine recently when she was on the show. I record on mine nearly every week. Yeah, so uh, so we had one Yeti, then we had two Yetis. As it turns out, you can't plug two Yetis into the same Mac, mm. so we dealt with that issue. Then we got a Samson Q2U, which is a handheld microphone. It's a USB and XLR mic. Uh, we got two of those. Well, we had one, then we got two. Then we got four, and we got a mixer. We had, I uh, forget the brand of that mixer, but it was pretty solid. And then we used that with the cheap arms, like boom arms, in your upstairs extra yep, room yep, yep. for upper, a long time. The first iteration of Upper Room Studios. Yeah, we used that for a long time. And then, then we uh, got the law office studio set up, all the same equipment, and then we bought a new mixer. We got the, uh, not the Rode one, um, whatever the one is we have, I can't even think of what brand it is. Oh, it's a Zoom. It's a yeah, Zoom yeah, L8. Yeah. Um, so we got that mixer with a little sound pad built in and the same mics. And then we, along the way, uh, and received as a gift a Zoom H4 like mobile thing. That thing is awesome. Which we've used. A few times. I've had various mics that plug into my phone that we've used at different times. Um, 
another Zoom mic you plug in. We've used that at the Capitol a few times. Um, I used that for Stitt's inauguration, actually. That guy. And then, and then, and then we got new microphones for our mixer. We got uh, Rode Pod mics, and we used those for about two months before COVID hit, and they were great. Uh, and then we quit using the studio. We were like really getting into our stride at the studio with like our setup. Oh, we've had video for a while there. Yeah, and uh, it was it was going. Yeah, man. And then COVID, and this is only what like probably our fifth in-person episode since COVID. Yeah, yeah. We could do video down here. This is a nice, a nice uh, motif behind me with a little deer, we, we deer abs- heads on the wall. We absolutely could. I could bring that over. Um, well, maybe we'll consider doing a live video episode again sometime soon. Do you know what we should do? We should do it in the winter with the fireplace going. Oh, yes, we like should. A, a fireside chat situation. We with should. Video. We should absolutely do that. I, can I wear my, like, yes. my, my, my <laughs> a smoke with, a, with smoking jackets? Yeah, my maroon. Uh, <laughs> and a cognac? Yeah, velvet. Yeah, that's that's happening. Yeah. This is 100% happening. We'll, we'll have pipes and everything. I don't think I can convince Ashley to let us light the pipes in the house, but we can have pipes. I have a pipe. Yeah. I've had it since college, I think. It is a tobacco pipe. It oh, is yeah. not a medical marijuana pipe. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying. Dude, I I I love I have I haven't used my I haven't I haven't uh I have not smoked it's been several years. I I didn't know you had a pipe. Oh dude, I lo- I love to smoke a pipe. I mean only, this, this tracks with, only in winter though. Right. Yeah. I I I'll take it camping. Yeah, yeah. We should go camping also and record in the woods. We definitely should. Michael Scott style. That's right. He's lost. <laughs> I've been without food now for three hours. I'm going to turn my suit, my suit pants. That's right. Into my suit pants. I've taken them off now and used it as a hat. He's got like a do rag. Yeah. But now I got cold, so I've duct taped my suit pants back on. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, how far? How are we? What? Like ten minutes in, and we're just like totally off the rails. That sounds. That's as par for the course. It's this been, is what our listeners are here for. Anyway, <laughs> back to the equipment. That's our, I would say our standard setup yeah. is a Rode L8 mixer with four Rode pod mics on cheap-ass boom arms. Yeah. Hooked into, it records locally, but also hooked into my laptop as a backup. That's the gold standard. Yeah. Uh, today, though, we're using these new Rode Wireless Go 2 um, mics, and I will find out later tonight how they sound. But I, they're like lavalier mics. As listeners who have ever seen us live know... Or who? Uh, oh, yeah. Because yeah. sometimes you, uh, you, you, you narrate. I gesticulate wildly, uh, <laughs> and it's hard to do that when I have to hold the microphone up to my mouth. Yeah. So there's a lot to be said for a boom arm or a, a, a yeti or an otherwise freestanding mic that does not require you to use your appendages to hold it near your mouth. Perhaps, Scott, we should explore not just different equipment but also and not just settings but actual like um i don't know the word i guess that is still a setting but like my thought is what if we did an episode with these lavalier mics and we each had a podium and we were like (laughs) shouting (laughs) across the room one another that could be the inaugural episode of and another thing that's right which is our our perennial our perennial uh our perennial like you know, companion show that we've talked about. That's right. Let's, let's put that, let's put a pin in that until later in 2022 
when we start having debates and yes. like the governor's debates, and we could record our episodes in a debate format. You know, speaking of, we sh- yes, we should do that. Speaking of, and this can be kind of a transition, who is going to run for governor? Oh, this is an excellent transition. Uh, and that's a good question. So we have an, a few candidates that we know of yeah. now. We have, of course, Governor Stitt. We also have former state senator Irvin Yin. Yeah, yeah. We I ha- forgot about that. Mm-hmm. We also have... Um, well, do, 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 do. Um, uh, there's a... There's a libertarian candidate, and her her name escapes me. I'm I, as we discuss, I'm looking at um, Activote, which is a cool app. Have I told you about Activote? Scott? I have not heard about Activote, but I would love to learn about it. So uh, it's a nonpartisan app. It generally is nonpartisan. Um, it's a couple of like tech entrepreneurs that had a successful business. They sold it. Made a bunch of money. The dream. Yeah. (laughs) Quite literally. And decided to like use their skills to give back to democracy. Um, One of the, I I interviewed them last week on how to win friends and save the Republic. So Activote is a a really cool app. They're not sponsoring this podcast. It's just really cool. There's like a home feed and there's something to do every day. That's like a, a, a tiny bit of civic engagement. Nice. And at first, I was pretty skeptical. Activote? Activote. A-C-T-I-V-O-T-E. I'm downloading it now. It's free. Um, they don't make any money on it. I have tried to set up arrangements for like other organizations to pay them, and they're like, no, no. We're doing this for free. Um, and so soon, Let's Fix This is going to use them for some data. Like It's super cool. Anyway, one of the things on there is you can rank your choices for like like Oklahoma governor because it knows it connects to the voter file so it sure knows, knows what's going on yeah. um, and you can you can check it you don't vote you just like put it on there so um, the canons we know <laughs> to go back Kevin Stitt Irvin Yen Connie Johnson okay. right is the Democrat yeah Natalie Bruno is a libertarian and then Paul Tay is I uh, don't think he's gonna actually be on the ballot. Is he? Did something get bumped? Is he? Is he eligible? Because isn't he? A, does he have a felony? I mean, he got arrested or? for rape this weekend. Oh my gosh! Really? Did I was you not, not know in, that. No, I was out of town this weekend. Oh, you were? Yeah, Paul Tay was arrested for uh, rape, like within the last week. Whoopsie Daisy. Okay, well that's tragic. Um, he was not going to win anyway, but he's a bit of a perennial candidate for many things. He ran for Tulsa mayor. Yes. Um, he's from Tulsa. He gives a. Uh, yeah, this something. is cool. I'm gonna have to it's, look at it when I have time to answer the questions for their policy matrix. Yeah. Oh, that's a, okay. So I'm glad you said that. That's the other cool thing about about ActiveVote is this policy matrix, where it shows on a grid, um, like where you stack up. Right. So it's like left to right, up to up and down. Like, um, does it? Can you see it? I can't even find mine. Okay, well, I'll have to... Oh, there it is. Policy matrix. So it's on a scale of national focus, global focus. Those are two ends of a of the continuum. Individual focus versus government focus. And then left and right, right? And so... And it stacks you uh, 
up against, you can share with your friends. You might be my first friend on here, Scott. <laughs> and then um, also elected officials. So like Donald Trump, Mike Pence, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Andrew Yang. I see Elizabeth Warren, a bunch of other people. And it is, who is this? Joe Jorgensen? I, I just earned a badge. I've got a bunch of badges, yeah. It's, I, I get that like gamification is a thing, but I never really messed with it before. But it's fun. Anyway, okay, we'll come back to ActiVote. Listeners, everyone download ActiVote, and then um, you shared your badge with me, Scott. That's exciting. Yeah, man. All right, uh, listeners, you should all download ActiVote, and we can play in this sandbox together. Um, all right, so that's who's running for governor. So far, Stitt, Yin, Connie Johnson, and Natalie Bruno. Do you think there's going to be others? I have no doubt there'll be others. I think the question is just <coughs> who who they're going to be. Um, you know, I will say I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know if there's going to be a Democratic candidate other than Connie Johnson. If there is going to be somebody besides besides her, um, that person needs to. I think make a decision because uh, time is running short um, for a statewide campaign. Um, it's already pretty, sorry, it would already be pretty tight. Um, I also don't know. I'm really wondering if there is going to be another party who uh, jumps in the Republican primary um, to see if they can give uh, the governor a run for his money. Um, I think that would be tough. I think it could be doable. You know, the ideal person would already have statewide name ID, ideally have already run a statewide campaign, maybe have, you know, won a statewide office at some point. Um, I don't know if a person that fits that profile is interested or not. I'd be terming out here. Yeah, yeah somebody, somebody like that would be, would be a great option. Um, uh, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if that, I don't know, I don't know if a person with that profile is, is, would be interested or not. So that's a good question. We've talked about, State Superintendent Joy Hoffmeister a number of times on the show. I think she's the, the natural one that many of us are looking to. But you're right, man. Like, the the current Oklahoma primary system makes it very difficult because she would have to rely on, at this point, she'd have to rely on o- Oklahoma Republican voters to choose her over the incumbent, which very rarely happens. Now, one thing that could change that, though, Scott, is if the um, is if the Republican Party decided to open primaries. I mean, what do you think are the chances that that would happen? Um, so, I don't know. I I I've talked to a number of. Republicans who were involved with the party who were for it. However, John Bennett mm-hmm. is a bit of a speed bump. My understanding from what I've heard is that the... Do we want to call him a speed bump or is there another word we could use to describe him? Well, a skid mark comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you were thinking. <laughs> I, um, I, the, so it, it, the authority does not rest solely with him. Um, the the authority also rests like with the central committee for the Republican Party, um, the Politburo, if you will. Yeah, but I don't I don't know that they have the guts, right? To, they don't. I mean, that's that's my <laughs> suspicion as well. But wouldn't it be nice if if they did? 
You know, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, you're 100% right. And, you know, this is, I mean, this is, this is illustrative of the issue, right? You've talked to several people who would support this and are interested in it and think it'd be a good reform. You can't share any of their names, right? Um, no, well, you know, no, like because they are, because they have to run for office as well. Right. Because none of them are, none of them want to be on the record. And this is the problem, right? Like, no one wants to go on the record for the things that they actually support, and because no one goes on the record, things don't change. Well, and I, I will take issue with that. Okay. And I will say that just because they're not willing to go on the record on Let's Pod This doesn't mean they're not working behind the scenes to make this happen. I mean, sure. Fair. And you know me, we have talked before. Um, we've, we've actually had fairly vehement disagreements about government transparency and, like, how things should be how things can and should be negotiated and, and, and what, what negotiations should look like. So there's definitely a role for things to, to, to kind of be worked out, you know, behind the scenes, behind closed doors. And somehow that's, sometimes that's how you can make the most effective policy change. But it's not just related to voting, right? I mean, how many representatives and senators and other electeds have you and I talked to that said, yeah, man, I know that gun, that gun law we passed is crazy, but... Had to vote for it because, you right, know, right. we're like, man, I, God, I'm so sick of talking about abortion all the time. And we, we've heard this. You yeah. and I have heard this from the mouth of conservative elected Republicans who say, I'm so sick of talking about abortion. We need to be talking about, like, X, Y, and Z. And you're like, well, then fucking stop it, right? right? And they're like, well, I can't because, you know, it's what? And it's like, then, then do something to change the equation, right? Change right. it so you don't... Change it so you don't have to pander to your base all the time, right? Right. right. Um, but if you do that, oh, by the way, your seat might not be as safe as it is now. Right. And and so I just, I don't know, like a lot of these people, and you know, the, the people that you're talking about, the people that I'm talking about. I mean, these are people that we've re- that that I respect, and I'm glad that they hold office and and do some do do the the good work that they do. But man, I get just so tired of like. The duplicity. Yeah. Yes. Is duplicity even the right word? Maybe it's not. I don't know. Uh, Well, I think it could be. The other thing that I will say, and I texted you about this the other day, is this, I think this connects to a much bigger issue. And I, I, listeners, I, I hope this matters to you. If you are like me and you feel overwhelmed and exhausted, and hopeless, right? You are not alone, first of all. Many, many, many of your fellow Oklahomans feel the exact same way, which is one of the reasons that we have the lowest voter turnout in the entire country, right? That is just one symptom of this underlying illness of apathy, and it's almost a... a, a, Gosh, I... You know, I, I dare say a, a, a sense of, like, victimhood. The, the truth is you are not, uh, you're not powerless. We are not powerless. It, th- those in power would tell you that you either have power or you don't have power, and it's you have to take it from someone to have it yourself, and that is not necessarily the case. The case is that you can create power from almost nothing, right? Like, 
You can create power from your being. You can will it into power, into being. You can connect with your friends. You can build relationships. You can start, you can be the change you want to see in the world, right? Like, but, it, you know, to, so I've, I've been reading this book by Eric Liu from Citizen University. Great guy, good friend. Um, and the book is called You Are More Powerful Than You Think. And I was like, oh, okay, sounds pretty kumbaya. Um, but he, I think he's exactly right about this. And it, it has shaped my thinking for the last week, and I can't stop thinking about it. And he gives examples, right? Like the, the civil rights movement in the 1960s. They didn't, they didn't take power away from anybody by empowering themselves. Now, they, they created that power and used it to challenge the power of the whites, of the men that were in power. But they didn't, they didn't inherently take power away from them. Same thing with women's suffrage. Giving women the right to vote doesn't take any power away from men's votes. It, it adds more voices to it, and so you could argue that it, like, um, it diffuses the concentration of men's power, but that's not a bad thing, right? Like, they, you can create this power. In some ways, the beginnings of Let's Fix This speak to this as well, right? It was a few of us, Scott, yeah. you and I are there who, were upset with the direction our state was headed, particularly as it pertained to the budget in 2016. We thought, let's go to the state capitol and talk to folks. We weren't, like, going to protest. It was distinctly not a march, not a rally. We genuinely wanted to go have conversations to talk to people. And that's the thing that I'm trying people to, to understand for the last five years is that just by showing up and having a conversation with someone, you are embodying, you are... You are using that agency that you have to enact change. You have power inside of you that you're not doing. And I, I will end on this as one example of how I don't always practice what I preach, and I'm trying to get better. Uh, right now, everything with COVID sucks. Oh, fact. Just sucks great big green weenies, as my dad used to say. <laughs> and... Uh, my kids go to, my two older kids go to school in Edmond and I'm terrified, right? I'm just, I'm honestly just waiting until they get COVID because that's what's going to happen. My nieces and nephews have it. My friend's kids have it. It's going to happen. And I'm upset with the policies of Edmond Public Schools. I have not yet contacted the superintendent. I've not contacted their principal. I've just kind of like thrown my hands up and been like, rah, why doesn't Stitt do something? Well, Jesus tap dancing Christ, Scott. There's a bunch of people that I could contact between here and Stitt that could enact change, right? And I have not used that power that I have. I could connect with other parents at the schools to do that. I've not done it, but I should, and I will. Yeah, you know, I think that's, I mean, I think this is, I man, I think this is so important to talk about because it does, um, you do feel you do feel powerless, right? And I mean, and, and I guess, you know, I would say if someone like, if someone like you, right, who is, you know, very politically active, politically engaged, you're the executive director for multiple nonprofits in the state that interact with legislators and, you know, other nonprofits and non-governmental entities, like, I think, you know, if someone is listening to this and saying, man, if Andy Moore feels like he's powerless to, like, to deal with this, then, like, what the hell am I supposed to do, Right. But I think it's I think it's important 
you just like you said for everybody to remember that you have to you you do you have to to some extent you have to try and manifest that for your for yourself right like right anybody can send an email anybody can show up to the capitol anybody can can pick up the phone and those are all forms of persuasion that vary in their influence but they all do work and they particularly work if you do it in concert now in terms of what kind of influence it would take to get the governor to actively try and do something about the pandemic i've I am at a loss. You know, Governor Stitt gave uh, remarks yesterday to the Tulsa Chamber of Commerce, essentially a state of the state address where he um, he uh, said that the number one issue, the number one issue facing Oklahoma, the number one obstacle in our path is um, uh, uh, McGirt, actually, which um, just <laughs> blows my mind that you could be the number one issue. Huh? You know that this would be um, that that this would be what you would consider to be the number one issue facing the state. That that just boggles my mind, um, and then refuse to take any questions from media on the pandemic afterwards. And so, you know, when we're at near record uh, record numbers of cases, when we're at near record numbers of hospitalizations when you know the four major health systems here in the metro put out today that there are essentially no icu beds available to the extent that there are hospital beds available at all you know when that's the situation and the governor refuses to even say the words covid or pandemic i yeah that's got me feeling pretty hopeless (laughs) and and power and powerless right now and i i don't know exactly what to do to to solve that other than other than keep plugging away you know and to realize too that your power and influence is not limited to the ways that you can influence the government right like i see patients every day in my practice and i have conversation with patients every single day about the importance of getting vaccinated and the safety and efficacy of the vaccine and what they can do to to help right i had a patient in my office today who just turned two they were there for a, a checkup um, but I walked to the room and it was a pair within a couple of minutes. Like, so, so we're here for a checkup, but they have a cough. Like, they didn't cough once. Like, they have a cough. And mom was like, yeah, I've got cough and runny nose. It really started this morning. And I was like, we go to daycare, do we? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, so have they ever worn a mask before? And she was like, no. And I was like, can we, can we try that <laughs> real quick? Right. And so we... Put a mask on. Kid did. Kid did great, and we tested for some things and had a whole conversation about like the importance moving forward of like asking the child to wear to wear a mask and yeah. things like doctors' offices and daycare. Yeah. Um. And like that doesn't feel like that's gonna like end the pandemic, but you know, I mean, if everybody, I mean, hell, if everybody who listens to the show this week has conversations like that with their friends and family, like. Yeah. And if everybody had a conversation with somebody in their sphere of influence once a day about getting the vaccine, I mean, that over the course of a week, that's several thousand conversations about getting a vaccine, right? Right. Like, well, and you have agency, you have power in other ways, right? right. Like, um, we have a housekeeper that comes once a month or so, and I have talked to her about the vaccine for months and months, and then it... As you know, as cases faded over the late spring and summer, I was less concerned. 
still concerned, but just less concerned. But as I started to tick back up, she was scheduled to come, and I asked the boss, I was like, is she vaccinated? And she's like, I don't know. And I said, well, we don't want her to come. Like, we will not be using you anymore if she's not vaccinated, right? Like, because you're coming into my house with my child, who's a baby, with some health issues, and we don't, I'm not going to do that, right? Yeah. Like, and she's like, you know, let me check. And uh, there are those things, right? The Again, the sit-in movement, the teacher walkout, all these things are ways that people can use their power. It may be uncomfortable. It may take some more action, but it it is you have more power than just angry tweeting, right? Like that literally changes no one's minds. As someone who angry tweets a lot, uh, it can be cathartic, but it doesn't move the needle. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, Scott, I will, I will disclose, you and I frequently have a conversation of one of us will say, I want to tweet this, what do you think? And it always comes down to, what are you hoping the outcome will be? Are you yeah. trying to change minds? It's not going to happen. Yeah. Are you trying to feel better? Or are, you, are you seeking catharsis? Okay, right? Yeah. That may be, what are the other outcomes that might happen? Will this... Well, could this torpedo future efforts to do things, right? Like, could you find catharsis another way? <coughs> yeah. I mean, the, the number of unsent, my number of unsent angry cathartic tweets definitely outweigh my, my angry cathartic tweets. Yeah. My, my unsent ones have all been sent. Have <laughs> all been sent to you, for sure. And there's, there's very much a lot of like... I mean, you could say that, but I'm like, yeah. yeah and I enjoy reading call. them, if I'm honest. <laughs> good, good call. Good call. I um, All right, so we should talk at least at some point here about... Things that happened this week? Yeah. Um, one of which is that the our new attorney general, right, who was recently appointed, has filed... He's He's... <laughs> He's been in the office a few weeks. He's ready to kill people. That's the <laughs> that's how it boils down to, right? <laughs> he has he has filed for execution um, for seven inmates, one of which is Julius Jones. Yeah, is a sad commentary on our criminal justice system that I don't know the names of any of the other six, but we've not done any executions since 2015, since the. Uh, the botched execution back then. Has it been that long? Mm-hmm. I thought there had been. I thought there had been <coughs> one since then. No, no, it's been six years. Um, I mean, I this. I mean, we could have. We could have a whole. We could have a whole show that just talks about. That just talks about the death penalty and like just regardless of what you think about. I mean, you shouldn't. You shouldn't try to separate. I think what you think about it morally, but just you could have a whole show or series um, about. The death penalty is a policy. I just, man. And it's, you know, we should be clear for the new AG. This is not like the only thing that he has done. But I just don't understand how it's like you come into office like this is your, this is my priority. We need to get these people that are on death row. And we, need to, we need to move on with that. Right. You know, I mean. I, um, I, I just. Yeah. Well, so in the there's an article in the Oklahoman that we will link to in the show notes, and in the article he's quoted as saying, "Listen, the voters of Oklahoma approved by a two thirds majority vote in 2016 that they wanted capital punishment in the Constitution." 
and, and I'm, I am just carrying out the law, which is, it, it's, it's true. It's true. And here's the, so two thoughts on this. One is in Oklahoma, the attorney general is not the attorney of the people. He is the attorney of the state. Right. Texas is the reverse. In Texas, the AG represents the people of Oak, of Texas, not the government of Texas. So it's like, a, right. I didn't understand this until just a few months ago. And I think that changes a lot about how I view the AG's office. Sure. Right? Um, because essentially, he exists to enforce the law and to protect the government, right? To represent the government, which is different. Right. I want to know where the fuck is our guy then? <laughs> There's four million of us, right? Like, and and it is clear that the government may not always be acting on our behalf in goodwill, right? Maybe they think they are, but I'm just saying, like, yeah. Nearly seven thousand people have died, and of COVID, yeah. Oh, it's like closer to nine. Jesus. Okay. Well, yeah. nine nine thousand people have died, right? Like, yeah. I'm just saying, some things could be done differently. Um. So that's one piece. The and then I forget the other piece. Of what? About the AG? I had two things with him. That's one of them, and I forget the other one. No. I mean, I will say, you know, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it there, because I'll say something. <laughs> I'll say something that I, that I shouldn't. I just, I, the, the move to reinstate um, executions, particularly when, did we, pr- oh. did we change, did we change the method are we are we moving forward with the nitrogen asphyxiation? Because like we because the issue with the, the issue with death penalty with the death penalty in Oklahoma is that no one will sell us the drugs, right? Right. The companies that make the drugs that's used to do this won't sell them to you if you're going to use them in executions. Right. So then you have to go to other more esoteric methods. So nitrogen asphyxiation, gas um, chambers, which yeah, which is gas chamber, um, electric chair, firing squad, etc. But there, I mean. There are problems with all of those too. There are reasons that, by and large, everyone had moved to a lethal injection cocktail, right? <laughs> because there's issues with all the other ones. So, are we moving forward with night with with a, like a gas chamber type? I don't even know. I, I didn't. I don't remember. I Interesting. Got, I got irritated and quit reading. You said your second point. What was your second point? The second point is, man, it was right there. Oh, my second point <laughs> is that while AG O'Connor says that it was approved by two thirds of Oklahomans. I will take issue with that because, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, we have the lowest voter turnout in yeah. the country. And so it was approved by... Two-thirds of the people who voted in that election. Right. And Which is not the same. <laughs> no. And that is less than half of even the registered voters turned out in that election, right? To say nothing about the actual population of the state. And right. this, again, listeners, is the reason that people need to vote. Yep. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're letting... If there's a, if there's a group of ten friends hanging out, and someone says, "What do you want to eat?" and you let three of them make the decision, well, that means seven people might be, you know, eating a shoe leather sandwich. Right. Absolutely. Um, other things that happened this week, we mentioned Governor Stitt giving uh, the state of the state to the Tulsa Chamber, where he talked a lot about McGirt and not at all about COVID. Additional context for that. Um, State Superintendent of Education, Joy Hoffmeister, uh, she mentioned this week that we had um, a child die, uh, eighth grader, public mm-hmm. school, public school student uh, who was in eighth grade die of COVID this week, um, as well as a teacher in the state that died of COVID. So that's some additional context 
there for kind of uh, the governor's remarks and where we are in the pandemic. Um, um, there was also, Andy, you sent me an article earlier uh, earlier today from the frontier where uh, they, they kind of dig into the episode of uh, criminal justice reform mm-hmm. and how savings to the carceral system coming from criminal justice reform um, uh, were supposed to be put towards, were supposed to be put towards mental health, right? But so far, so far the legislature has not actually appropriated any of those savings to that fund. Is that... Did I get the details That's correct there? Yes. So this is 781, right? Um, state question 781, yeah. And so true to form, you know, the once those two measures pass to the ballot, the legislature were, was talking out of both sides of their mouth. They were like, oh, this is great. You know, we, we definitely need criminal justice reform. And uh, yeah, we're for it. And then they did very little. Well, they did nothing to like help it happen. They did not pass or appropriate any money for this reason. Now, that that arguably, Scott, could be because of the budget shortfall that they had. However, they had extra money left over. And as our friends at OK Policy will say, a budget is a moral document, meaning that's not, it's not a moral highbrow statement. That means where you put your money is where your priorities lie, right? And... Did they or did they not cut taxes this year? Ah. <laughs> where you put your money is where your priorities lie, right? Uh, and, and they are less concerned about a, well, in their minds, a few criminals, right? Yes. Oh, but these are just criminals and addicts. Like, what do they need? And we just perpetuate the same problem. And again, back to power, Scott. We have the power to influence policy. We do not have to sit at home and gnash our teeth. Indeed, indeed. If you are angry right now, listeners, if you're frustrated by this, pause this episode, take three minutes or five minutes, and send a brief but well-articulated email to your state legislator, or even to the leadership, right? Tell them, tell them how you feel, tell them why, ask them to do something differently. Don't be a dick about it, just... <laughs> but start the conversation. Oh, uh, what else is going on? Oh, uh, my my congresswoman and yours, uh, Stephanie Bice. Stephanie Bice I, I guess had a town hall. She had an event this week. Was it a? I thought it was a teletown hall. I think was it was a, a, yeah, yeah. Where she took some questions and talked about how uh, the reconciliation bill that the Dems are trying to move through Congress um, is going to raise state taxes. Um, Andy. I, I'm not. I'm not an expert. Um, can Congress raise state taxes? They cannot, Scott. I didn't. I didn't think so. Right? No. That. Yeah. That's. Uh, that's something that you know a former state senator would know. You'd uh, think that. So. <laughs> so do you think did did she not know or does she just is she just being disingenuous? I think the tweet was written um, by an employee or an intern of some DC-based communications firm. It's my uh, hunch. Uh, well, I mean, I think she said it in the tele. I think she said it in the teletown hall. I think because this was in Oklahoma oh. City Free Press, and I think they quoted her. I think I, she said it. I thought that they're it was... raising. They're raising all the taxes. They're raising federal taxes. They're raising state taxes. They're raising income taxes. 
And my question, my question to the congresswoman, if she would return my calls, she doesn't, <laughs> is, um, is number one, has the bill been written? Has she seen bill text? Because my understanding is there's not bill text yet, so no one knows exactly what it is or wasn't, isn't going to do, since it's, you know, again, uh, unwritten. Also, is the congresswoman involved in the drafting of the uh, Democrat, uh, Democratic Reconciliation Bill? I suspect she's not. So... Um, how does she know what taxes are and aren't going to be in the bill? Or is she just saying stuff that she knows not to be true because it plays well for when she runs for your election next year? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just asking. Do we think anybody's going to run against her? I I would assume so. Interesting. interesting I, I mean, interesting. there's, uh, what's his name that runs every year? Tom Guild. <laughs> Almost, uh, yeah. I don't. I, I was going to say I've met him once. He was fine, but I don't. He is. I don't think he's ever won any any race that he's run. Maybe he did something less. I don't know. Um, oh, and I I will correct us. I know that she, Congresswoman Bice, had um, at least one public meeting at the Bethany First Assembly of God Church. Um, and which is one of, I think, five listening sessions that she has had like this week. Um, I could have sworn, though, that that comment was, I guess it, um, I guess it was from that in-person meeting. I could have sworn it was a tweet, but maybe I just read it on OKC Free Press's. Yeah, it was on their Twitter feed, but it was, uh, it came from, it came from her mouth. So... I mean, I I love the blame the intern strategy, but I don't think it works for this one. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, the the sad truth is that um, the rhetoric that moves some supporters. Let me back up. It's a sad truth that the rhetoric that moves some people to support you does not have to be based in reality, right? Like, I mean, you can say untrue things, and people will agree with you. And that builds your support. And that's what we see happening all the time, right? On both sides. Now, this is distinctly on one side. But um, that's the kind of bullshit that I would like to see not happen in politics. I mean, amen to that, brother. Wouldn't it be nice if it was just like both sides were truthful and then voters could decide which is the better idea? Yeah. Yeah. What else? What else is on the radar? Just a lot of COVID, man. I know. We... You know, our, we're a little bit all over the place today. Um, I, as you guys know, probably <laughs> everybody, everybody in the world is everybody in the world is sick. If they don't have COVID, they've got RSV or rhinoenterovirus or one of the other respiratory viruses. So uh, my work has been real busy. You've been on vacation all week, so we're a little bit all over the place today. But I hope it was. Uh, I hope this has been some. Hope this has been some listenable content. I think so. I think it's been good. Uh, next week, listeners, we will have State Labor Secretary Leslie Osborne is going to join us um, virtually. So that'll be an exciting episode. We, it's good to have a return guest on the show. And also, I feel like we probably said this four years ago, but the Labor Secretary is a position that flies under the radar. Fact. But it's super important. They've been doing a lot of big things about um, consolidating licensing boards and and honestly making it easier for Oklahomans to work which is a big deal absolutely important so. important position and excited to have her on the show that's right I'll be more I'll be more prepared for her to come on this show than I was today <laughs> well you know 
It's been a week. That's, I mean, you know, it's just one of those weeks where I was like, I simultaneously was like, is it already Friday? And also, how is it just now Friday? Right. Right. <laughs> yes, I agree. I definitely agree. All right, listeners. Well, uh, thank you for being here this week. If you have any questions for Secretary, Commissioner, excuse me, Commissioner Osborne, please send them to us at podcast at letsfixthis.org. Uh, we'd be happy to uh, include some of those on the show. Also, if you have suggestions for format or venue, um, let us know. Scott and I, this is a little bit, it's a little bit of excitement and otherwise like drudgery of a year. And so uh, I'm happy to set up cameras down here in front of Scott's uh, <laughs> fireplace. And this is an actual wood-burning fireplace, yes? Yes. Great. Let's let's kick her. I got some pecan wood. We can uh, we get, will fire it up. We'll get it over here uh, and a couple of chairs and uh, some bourbon, and then we'll have a live show. Fireside chat. Fireside chat. All right, listeners. Um, if you haven't already captured the theme of the episode, decisions are made by those who show up. We hope that you will make that effort. Have a good week. Mm-hmm.